It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. Welcome back to the bar, chaps. Before we begin, I'd like to say, um, happy National Earth Day, or maybe international, I guess, I don't know. Is that today? That is today, yes. Uh, oh, yeah, it is national, and also it is National Jelly Bean Day, so hopefully tonight at the bar, uh, instead of pretzels uh, and peanuts, they'll have uh, jelly beans. Let's see you, uh, everybody who has their uh, every bots uh, flavored bean with them start eating right now. Uh, <laughs> celebrate and also it is another monumentous occasion because it is the 20th anniversary of the uh, release of Shrek yes okay I was gonna I was wondering <laughs> what you were gonna say and if it wasn't that that would be wrong <laughs> I don't think I've seen Shrek since I was like eight years old so I mean I've got I don't even remember that movie at all there is apparently a person a single person who has like watched Shrek enough times that they can play it in their head yeah. I mean, that's me with um, the medallion with Jackie Chan. I used to be obsessed with that film. I, I shit you not, I, I watched it from the ages of like seven to nine, at least like from seven to eight, at least once every day. And then like eight to nine, at least twice every week. Um, because I had a portable DVD player and that was it. And I just really like, I like the medallion. I can't remember it now because I think my brain has trauma forgot it for sure um but like i understand that isaac that sounds like an idea for a commentary because i remember that i remember watching that um a couple times as a kid and always thinking like this is kind of a weird movie so <laughs> have you ever seen it the medallion yeah um is is that the like actual name of it or is there like an english release name no that's the english okay. name because <laughs> like certain because what did they call drunken boxing to no no something else over here that's later jackie chan so i'm pretty sure that one's an american film uh, i guess not later i guess mid because it's the 2000s drunken boxing 2 or drunken master 2 excuse me yeah yeah yeah. no that was 90s wasn't it no no we're talking about the medallion here oh the medallion <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no you've never seen it no i'd sooner go back to his like you know chinese stuff Ah. That's fair. Don't knock the medallion, man. I was really obsessed with it from 7 to 9, so it must have been really, pretty okay. <laughs> the tuxedo, Mikhail? Did you watch the tuxedo? <laughs> oh, man. It's ringing a bell. If you, if you were to name some details, it could definitely jog my memory. Or I can Google it. Um, God, I I don't remember. All I remember is that he had like a weird like gadget-filled suit. Okay, let's see. It's like Jackie Chan and the Inspector Gadget... Uh, Kind of gear or whatever. <laughs> it was really silly. I think it came out around the same time as the medallion. Uh, yeah, it's also one of those weird ones. I think uh, like the medallion took over my life. Oh my god, it had Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh really? Oh man, I don't remember that. Yeah, she was she was the hot American girl in the tuxedo. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's maybe I'll watch that sometime. <laughs> yeah, these definitely sound like commentary material. I think I only watched, like, what was it, The Spy Next Door? Oh. Yeah, which is, funnily enough, my girlfriend was obsessed with that, and she made me watch it, like, last year, because she was like, I love this movie as a kid, and I watch it all the time, over and over. Mm. So. <laughs> and what was the other one? Shanghai Nights, or was it new? Whatever the one that Donnie Yen was the villain in. See, those were the two that I watched the most for Jackie Chan. Mm. And Rumble in the Bronx. I loved Rumble in the Bronx, but. 
fun thing about those three, but we'll get to that some other point. Yeah, that's uh, totally. Funny how this is, you know, the, we're talking about other stuff other than this movie because apparently it's, you know, just a, it's kind of a movie and you have to really like, you know, it's almost a film studies movie. Exactly. That's, that was my problem. Um, I hadn't watched this in maybe two or three years. No, maybe two years. So I watched it once in 2018, then again in 2019. Um, and yeah, I really feel like I could have used at least two or three viewings because super dense and I feel like there's a fuck ton going on that I just don't know how to connect to uh, give any sort of reading to this movie. But I really enjoyed it, but a lot of elements that I didn't understand. <laughs> Which film is this? Uh, Jailhouse 41. Oh, okay. I thought you're like, for some reason, my brain like blanked out and I was like, you're talking about the tuxedo? <laughs> no, I, that's, I have the same. I have the same preamble for that movie. But. Uh, okay, funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, any initial thoughts for you guys? Yeah, why is it called Jailhouse Forty One? Good question. No clue. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to piece something together because they didn't actually go to a jailhouse, you know. And like at the beginning of the film, I think it's still the original jailhouse. So maybe that was the number of the jailhouse from the first movie, and there's something. Yeah, it could be. Or maybe it's like a it's like a Japanese pun of some sort. I want to say that there's like a pun with like the numbers four and one in Japanese, which is she and Ichi. So I'm like, <laughs> maybe there's something she means death. Ichi can mean multiple things. So I'm just like, depending on the context. Depending on the context, so I'm just kind of like, there has to be something there. Hopefully, symbolism. Symbolism of some sort. Or maybe it literally just could be the jailhouse from the first movie, and that was the number of it. So. Yeah, but, but getting past the title there. Um. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, I think what I really like about this film it is that, so let's say that you're trying to recommend, like the director was trying to recommend to a whole bunch of people, um, like, wa please watch my series. And you present them with uh, Scorpion first. And... And you're just like, okay, there's some sort of a plot, there's some sort of revenge plot. It's very cool, like, very cool and interesting visually. And, like, there's, so, there's like, some vague symbolism. I'm kind of on board. I can kind of, like, get with it. Then you show them this film, and it's so unhinged that it's just like, what did I sign up for? What am I here for? Um, because even thinking about it now... I think of like all the imagery and all the cool scenes and setups and cinematography and sound effects in this film. I just don't remember the plot <laughs> uh, very specifically. Well, I mean, to be honest, I mean it meanders, yeah. but it almost feels like he, like he stopped caring about the surface plot and started to care more about what it meant symbolically to him. But I just don't fully get how the elements connect yeah. to each other. I guess to quickly say the plot. So yeah, Matsu, she'd been left um, basically to rot down in isolation for a whole year. She gets released and she causes a big kerfuffle again and then there's a riot and she gets... Wait, you can't, you can't skip over the best detail about the introduction. The fact that she was stuck <laughs> underground for a year and she spent that year sharpening a spoon and that's how she got in trouble because she tried stabbing someone with the spoon that she spent a year sharpening. Like, you can't just push over that. <laughs> yeah, I did think that was a lovely little visual metaphor there with her, uh, what's that song? Like, her song of vengeance, I mm. think it's called. And as it's going, you start with this spoon, and then she sharpens it to a blade, just like what kind of happened to her in the previous film. And, yeah, then she, then there's that stupid inspector who's coming in who's this totally, like, cartoonish idiot. He thinks everything's so wonderful. It's like going around, like, oh, prisoners, yeah, you're, you're all good. Uh, turn your life around and you'll be a good member of society again. And they just drag Matsu in and she's all beaten up and decrepit. <laughs> it barely looks like a human at this point. And she just lashes out and s slices that fucking warden again. Gotta get the other eye. You know? And she almost did. She really <laughs> almost did. Yeah, I love that. And she did kind of strike like a scorpion I thought, which was a nice little visual pun. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. But yeah, then the inspector like pisses himself and they all riot again. And, uh, yeah, then we get that horrible, uh, gang rape scene with Matsu. It was a really ugly scene, I thought. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna... 
disagree with you there. I just don't know if I want to comment more on that other than it was very unpleasant. Yeah. Oh yeah, but um, when Matsu's in that cell, we actually get one of my favorite uses of the split diopter shot in all of film. And Isaac knows that I go on all, over and over again about how much I love the split diopter shot. Oh no, this is going to be a perfect opportunity for you to talk about that, because what is that? <laughs> uh, the split diopter shot is when they combine um, two lenses together so that you can have the foreground and the background of a frame, both okay. in focus. And my favorite use of it um, occurs here. It's when the warden first shows up in Matsu's cell, and you see her face right up against the camera, and in the background is, um, and it's kind of a weird angle too, because they're almost like a sideways kind of shot. I don't know if you guys are watching the movie as we as we speak here, as I am. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Matsu's laying there, and the warden comes in, and um, eventually she just like looks directly in the camera, and they switch on this light, and it bathes the whole bottom of the screen with this um, kind of blue lens flare. And I just think it's a gorgeous, gorgeous shot. It's I even made a little a little list after watching this movie that my favorite split after shots, and I had that one in the first spot. So, <laughs> um, but but apart from that scene, yeah. So Matsu gets um, assaulted by those fucking assholes because the warden wants to publicly humiliate her since she kind of started that riot. And then her and all the prisoners go off on this crazy wild kind of uh, chase where it gets into really weird surrealism and some weird supernaturalism, maybe, with that witch character was okay. cursing them. Yeah, that one was nuts. <laughs> that one was crazy, where it's just like, oh, there's just a random old woman who is the symbolism of, like, female rage and spite that's withered up, like, in a house that's destroyed. Um... Uh, you know, it just collapses as we as they first look at it, it just falls apart. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not I'm not one hundred percent picking up what the point was of this character. Like it felt very Dark Souls almost, where it was like here's like this withering gross, like old character that like obviously has a lot of backstory, but because you're the new player, you're not gonna get into it. Um <laughs> and then like and then like Matsu gets the knife from her. And the lady just dies. <laughs> Which was an amazing scene. And she blows away yeah. in the wind. And Matsu does that thing where she moves the knife across her face. Oops. I moved my hand in the, the same way she did. And I bumped my mic. <laughs> um, and the wind uh, blows around. But I did really love that scene where the old woman's like singing that song. And we get the backstory of all the, the convicts. I thought that was a beautiful little scene there. Oh, yeah. It felt very um, like uh, parable-esque. Myth-esque. Something like that. You know, I really loved that as she's going through all their like their crimes, and then she gets Samatsu at the end, and there's no crime. It's just her pulling apart that, uh, is that like bamboo? Was she yeah. pulling apart? Yeah, I love the sound that made too. I thought that was a really cool scene. It was like a heartbeat or like a pendulum or a TikTok thing. It's very cool. Yeah, what do you guys think of um, the advancement of her character in this movie? Like, did you guys kind of see where I what I meant about her not really, her kind of turning into a non-character? I think at this point everyone's a non-character like the men on the bus the cops the women she travels with that old lady the warden like mm. no one is really like an actually fully fully realized character they're just all kind of playing their horrible awful parts so when you say advancement of character immediately <laughs> i was like what are you talking about <laughs> he is just female rage and spite in in the shape of a small Japanese lady. Like, it's it's amazing, and I think it's great. Um, and I love that uh, there's something very John Wick-esque about it, I guess. <laughs> that dedication to just kill and to just make sure that, like, the rage is, is channeled. I think that's why I say this film is just so unhinged. Because it is so hard to kind of get behind the characters as characters. Like... Talking about it, like trying to explain the plot verbatim as we're doing right now, it's it's nuts. It's crazy. Um, but like everything about the movie is very beautiful. The cinematography is on point. Um, and like I feel like someone would be interested in watching it if someone made like a photo set of like several different scenes and snapshots um, and posted it on Tumblr or whatever. Someone would be like, oh yeah, I really want to watch that film. Um, but then once they watch it they'll be like oh what 
So, but, but when you say advancement, I guess that's kind of the long and short of it. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just think it's interesting how the first movie was kind of like an origins. It kind of reminds me of Mad Max, if you get what I mean, Isaac. I do. How the first movie's, yeah, kind of an origin story for him. And then the rest, he's more of an archetype, just kind of an introduction to this world. But in this one, it's it's she's even not even really an archetype anymore as much as she is just kind of a, like you said, like a symbol for female rage in this world where all men are basically this evil, violating machines <laughs> and all the women are kind of abused victims having to take power back for themselves. She's kind of the central embodiment of that. that that's why I love that ending there after she finally kills the warden and you kind of zoom in into his eye and you see her laughing and then all the convicts, all the dead convicts running down that bridge. I thought that was a beautiful sequence at the end. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, I think that's the one thing this film really nails that I was really disappointed about the last film. The ending and the way that the bad guy, like, gets his due. I thought it was perfect. The tone and the magnitude of it was amazing. And really, I have no complaints about how punishment was dealt. Um, <laughs> and, like, there's some people who get, like, really like really gruesome punishment for like being like a nameless character yes what they did is awful but like i don't think the magnitude or the or the severity of what they did was is necessarily equal to matsu's ex-lover or the warden um like there's this uh oh man like the cops who were like uh oh man what am i thinking so the female convicts and matsu are all in a truck and then they beat up Matsu, and then they state that Matsu's dead, and the cops are like, whatever, shut up. Um, and then they go check on Matsu, and Matsu attacks them. Um, and then all the convicts literally just jump these two officers. And then, do you remember what, what happens to them? Oh, fuck yeah, that's a great moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, okay, Isaac, do you remember what happened to them? So one of them gets choked out with the chains, uh, Matsu's chains. Yeah. Yeah, it spins forever. <laughs> and then, what was the other guy? Yeah, well, I'm very surprised you don't remember it as someone who I assume you have a penis. I'm assuming because he got skewered, <laughs> he got beat in the in the genitals with like a huge log, and they just stuck the log in his bloody like area. Oh yeah, right. Okay, that one. They undressed him and then they stuck him over there, and there was a log right, in the, which I was like, that's some really good uh, set work. It was great. Yeah, it looked beautiful. It's a beautiful image. But to be fair, that that was the lead rapist against Matsu in the previous gang rape scene, so I was very happy to see him getting his comeuppance. I get that, but he's also just like a nameless character. Or like a character that was on screen for like 10 minutes. And the ex-lover in the first film, like, just get shot? <laughs> like, you're, you're joking, you know? Where it's like, it's, it feels like all the rage that Matsu has was directed at him primarily and he just gets shot but you know this guy gets to have like death like gets to be posed as if like um he has an erection and humiliated and everything and everything like that and the other guy the warden he gets shot um while like seeing matsu and all the other convicts laugh and mock him in his death like i i don't know there's there's i was satisfied with everything with all the deaths in this film, I feel, I feel like the director was like, oh, okay, I heard you about the first film. Let me get you. <laughs> um, yeah, but I was just like, that's so severe for a character we don't even know, or we don't even know what the convictions. Yes, what he did was awful, but what? Well, the, the violence in this movie is accelerated just across the board. I mean, the there's, I think, two major rape scenes in this movie, and both of them are super grotesque. Um, yeah, just even like the shooting, a whole bunch more people die. The the slicing with the blade. I love how um, Matsu when she's attacking the warden, she like slices down the whole like frame and it splits in half. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Definitely pushing the the kind of uh, more graphic element of it. Even though that was kind of a silly shot, but yeah, like there's just so many cool scenes like um. Like the fact that when they escape from the truck uh, and they're in their cloaks and they're running away and like they're walking through ash and mud and things like that, that's pretty sick. Like the whole idea of like long haired like convicts in cloaks like running across a vast 
barren plain. That's pretty cool visually. Um, I guess, what do you guys think of the female characters? The convicts that uh, Matsu escapes with? Uh, before we quickly yeah. jump into that, I just want to address Meiko Kaji's singing during that sequence. She has like a song that kind of spreads throughout all their running sequences. It starts there. And I really love that song. I, I think she sings it in a lovely way. And yeah, I just really like the lyrics to it too. But, but what, what did you think about Mikhail's question there, Isaac? Yeah, this... Uh, hmm. Well, for that, that question only. Well, I, there's obviously a theme. Uh, themes are a big thing uh, with any story. Are you stalling? Am I, am I stalling? <laughs> uh, but obviously, I, when I hear number seven, all I can think of is seven deadly sins. And I was like, obviously, the Japanese are, would, would not use that. But there's, I feel like this is based off of... I, I could be wrong, but I wonder if it was like the, the seven characters were based off of like something in folklore. Uh, or even just a pun. I, I have no idea. It's always, but there's always themes involved with everything. So I didn't want to read uh, the characters. I didn't read them too deeply. I'd probably need to you know, rewatch this movie again, like you said, Caleb. Um, you, you have, I don't want to say archetypes, but you certainly have one that was more sympathetic towards Matsu. And then you had the ringleader. And as for the, and then the rest, that's it. There was no other personalities because when they listed all their crimes ah but you forget there were the lesbians and, and oh the yeah right i kind of skimmed over that my bad in one scene <laughs> barely addressed in the scene too it's just background yeah, which i wasn't really noticing i was looking more in the background like all the sets in the background mm -hmm. i i try to normalize that kind of stuff but then again for its time yeah then again you're again in japan you're allowed to depict that kind of stuff in art but in real life you can't do that so I guess it well it's happened in real life just in just in secret exploitation was the only place where it was uh kind of out in the forefront. But I I didn't really well I, there was okay, hang on, yeah, there was now that I'm remembering stuff. There was the woman who had the child who was who fell for the trap twice, uh, who wanted to see her child mm. again. The first time which randomly they end up in her, I guess, hometown, um, with her parents or yeah, caretakers of the child, I have no idea. And they see her there, or they, they see him, and then they capture her almost, and then just let her go. Funny enough, and oh yeah, follow her. Nothing bad can happen from that. I don't know about letting her go. It was kind of like we're gonna find our place. You're gonna go point it out for us. So they follow her there. Which I thought it was interesting that Matsu didn't punish her in any way. She like basically passed the man on to her. Like here, it's your responsibility to kill him since you brought him here. And she plays such a passive role with this group. It's it's unusual how she's like so separate from the rest of them. Well, keep in mind she doesn't even have a line. She doesn't even utter a line until like <laughs> the very end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I kind of liked. Yeah, which is fascinating choice. Yeah, I liked it too. But it's definitely an odd choice for your lead. You have like two lines in the whole movie. <laughs> that's why I say that's why I say it's so John Wick esque, where it's just like she's just so an embodiment of rage and channeling all that rage. Into, like it seems like she she knows something better than like the other women almost where it's like oh like this is who we have to be upset with and the other people are just like yeah no I want to eat a dog and I want to <laughs> I want to <laughs> oh yeah that's brutal and <laughs> like kill the poor yeah. dog <laughs> I guess you're on the run you know but yeah definitely that ringleader I wish I wrote down her names. They, they didn't really say the names very often in this movie, so I had a hard time keeping track of what they were. I only remember Haru because she's the lesbian that died, which is a good old reminder that the barrier gaze trope is still very much alive. Um, not how, how did she die again? Oh, um, she got she got stabbed at one point. I think it was at the point where um, the police officer came after the mom was like, oh, no, that's my son. Like that police officer followed and tracked the mom convict oh shot yeah her. yeah exactly and then and then he like bled out in the rain or something intense like that and like her lover was like oh, no. yeah that was yeah. sad yeah but that ringleader i thought was a quite the like she played it a little over the top but it worked for this movie it was so ugly and so like so grotesque i loved it i loved every scene with her i thought she was amazing yeah and i felt so bad for her like she's clearly just like destroyed by the crimes that she committed oh, yeah. Okay, but let's talk about something here. So yeah, she did kill her two-year-old. 
and I thought, oh, okay, the younger one that she killed, that's got to be, like, awful because it's, like, a newborn. Nah, she did, like, some Mel B type of shit. She killed the newborn in the womb, and then it left, like, a Mel B scar. That's nuts. And I love how after she made that big display of herself, she, like, almost collapsed, like, oh, fuck, like, yeah. what am I? Exactly. Did I just say that aloud? It's so sad. You guys know what I'm talking about <laughs> when I say Mel B? Nope, not uh, a clue. Mel B. Isaac. Rings a bell. By the way, the uh, character we're talking, referring to, uh, her name is at least in Wikipedia. Take that as a grain of salt. Uh, mm-hmm. Named Oba. Oba. I kind of wish Oba. that this movie sure. just did away what did what Shin Gojira did. Actually, I guess even um, what Godzilla '98 or '89, excuse me, did, um, where they just put people's names on screen, don't even bother, or you know, just do what Tenet <laughs> did, not even name your protagonist and call him that. <laughs> Oh, but what were you saying, Michaela? Mel B was a Spice Girl. She was Scary Spice. Um, and she had a lover and got a tattoo of, like, her lover's name, like, on her, like, kind of by the hip and stomach area. And when she, when that lover cheated on her, um, she, like, Sis didn't, like, go to a tattoo, tattoo removal spa and just, like, laser that shit off. She cut it off her own skin. And she wanted that man's name off her body so bad that she just took a scalpel and just cut it off. So that's what mean by Jesus. Mel B type of shit. Fair enough. I, I, I see the logic. It's that Matsu with the, the rage. I mean, that's that's yeah. crazy. Well, girl's name's Scary Spice for a fucking reason. <laughs> I wonder how she's doing right now. Have you ever seen Spice World, by the way? I've never. Oh, God. Yeah, that's that's another comment- commentary one day, Isaac. Spice World is fucking bonkers even more bonkers than this movie but none not in a good way but anyway <laughs> when justin met kelly <laughs> what <laughs> you'll see oh but but your initial thoughts isaac you didn't really we, we kind of skipped skipped around you yeah i i didn't want to say anything just because it's uh, this movie is very interesting so this i was impressed i was very impressed at the direction it is not the f- second movie or it is not the first movie again i'm very happy about that this is Clearly, mm-hmm. The Empire Strikes Back to A New Hope, or Star Wars, whatever you want to call it. Um, less characters uh, than before. Like, less on-screen, I would say, because we were dealing with, like, we had a lot of, like, extras and background characters in the previous one. And uh, I, I, I like what you said about how this is, like... Is this The Road Warrior? I don't know. I still haven't seen The Road Warrior, so I have no idea, but... Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, it's certainly... I, I do like your analogy of how the first one is, like, you know, Mad Max 1979. And this is, like, the sequels thereafter, and, like, just stories that take place, almost like a legend in a way. I love how... This is, a, this is almost like... I don't, I don't want to say a road trip movie or a chase movie. There's no emphasis... Is there an emphasis on them being chased? I guess so. They're almost... It's not even a thought. At, yeah, at times. times, yes, and sometimes they don't even think about it. They're never like, "Oh, we gotta like we're on the run." Yes and no. It's it's very subtle. I'll say that. Um, but I don't know if they if this is like again directly adapted from an arc in the comic book or not. I don't know how if you read any of this far. I didn't read this far, and I don't think Shinya Ito did either. I think he didn't care at all about the comic. I see. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. He went in his own direction. Fair enough. So, I like how I don't want to say subtle this movie is, but it's l- less. I don't. I don't know if less words are spoken, but at least once the, the escape is made, dang, she gets cru- she almost gets crucified as well. She's literally on a tree, meant to drag like cinder blocks or whatever it is, pieces of rock, and has a tree litter on her back. I'm like, yikes. That's that's uh, humiliating. I don't know. I did think there was almost a Jesus comparison there because she's kind of the kind of the persecuted leader of the prisoners like they kind of look up to her in a way at least until she gets raped when they just start beating the shit out of her which we definitely have to talk about that scene I didn't get that and only that again I guess sorry logic and looking at from a modern day perspective of you know I, I shouldn't I shouldn't say this but it's like they're chastising her for, you know, being a violated. Um, when she's tied up, she's li- literally, like, tied to a tree. She's bounded, and, like, four guys are on her, and she actually is trying to defend herself. And it's like, oh, how shame, uh, shame on you. It's like, again, different culture probably, so um, what would you do in that situation? Not, not you, but they. 
See, I thought that scene was kind of a metaphor for the shame that some rape victims feel. Kind of just disgust for themselves or blame for themselves. I kind of thought that's what they were doing there. I see. So they were projecting their emotions onto her. That Okay. That, that, thank you. That makes more sense. But again, my uh, other stuff about this movie. Very, very supernatural. I liked the supernatural element to it. Uh, the mystery of it. People will probably complain like, oh, why is there, you know, magic all of a sudden? <laughs> That's a good question. But I, it certainly led me to accept that, uh, I mean, movie logic, of course, she has a higher durability than almost any human I've ever seen. And they don't <laughs> even, I don't even know if she actually eats anything. Like, she literally is a supernatural being at this point. She is John Wick. Yeah. She, John Wick and her should team up. See, I don't. I even uh, I even wrote my notes. There's that scene where they're all eating, and um, was it Olabud? Yes, the ringleader. Yeah, she was like, she was just chowing down on this chicken, Jet dog, and Matsu's just sitting in the corner, just watching them all eat, and she gets like super uncomfortable. That's when she re- reveals her scar. I thought it was interesting that we don't see her eating with the rest. She's just always off to her own in the corner, almost like this ghost hanging over them or something. Uh, but but you go ahead. <laughs> I don't see relation to her and John Wick per se. Okay, that's fair. And only that, again, well, I mean, they're both reacting, but that's a whole other argument for another day. But, Or it could be an <laughs> argument here. I don't, I don't know. Make, make your case, but um, I don't know. It was it was a very different movie. I was, I was I didn't think it was, this is shocking, but I didn't think it was as violent and or over the top as the previous one was. Interesting. Hmm. I think it was much more low-key, very lo-fi. Um, not, not to say the violation scenes weren't uh, intense. I'm not going to deny that. But mm-hmm. again, it, this just didn't feel as not as much energy as the first one had. But that's not a bad thing. Uh, this is what they say of like how a sequel should be made sometimes, where instead of going bigger, uh, you go small. And they certainly did go more small scale. I don't know if they would have been able to tell another story. I actually initially thought that another story was going to be set inside the uh, prison again. And we didn't get that, so I was very surprised. It was like, that's why I kind of enjoyed it a lot. Mm. Yeah, I, I felt the same way in my first viewing. I was really surprised that they completely moved away from the prison. Because it worked so well in that first movie. It's kind of a gamble to just have a whole chase movie. But Yeah. And yeah, I can see what you're saying in terms of them downplaying the action kind of element of it it's more surrealist and more kind of introspective in a weird way but i feel like the moments of violence feel a little bit more um grotesque than in the the previous you know why they're grotesque because there's less of those i don't want to say less of those violent actions but they're i think more prominent or they're they're focused on a little more whereas the previous movie there just seemed to be violence almost every minute i think Mm. If I'm remembering correctly, it was a while ago since I watched that. But mm. I think, let's see, one of my favorite scenes, and you guys mentioned it and brought it up before, was uh, the scene of her, of, of when the old lady with the knife is basically roll-calling, you know, and explaining each character's backstory. And I just love the fact that when she gets to Matsu, there's nothing. And I was I was just like, that's that's perfect fan service of like you don't need to go into you don't need flashbacks for anything like that if you watch the first movie you know it and I'm like that was good I, I like that maybe it makes her a little more like awesome but like I don't know I just I like that a lot mm-hmm. um also surprised that when you're talking about there being a lot of like phallic uh, objects in this movie they're in a bus for pit's sakes <laughs> I didn't think you guys like pointed out the uh the beginning with the the fire hose no. Or the right hose, excuse me, where it went on for a little too longer. Yeah, and the placement of the hose, too, now that you pointed out. Yeah, that's fair. I was like, wow, that's subtle. Yeah, I'm going to throw something random out to you guys. I, I didn't know, but I kept wondering if the old woman was meant to be, like, kind of a maybe future version of Matsu, but not really. Fascinating. Michaela, you uh, you take point. I didn't. I don't have a real definitive idea of how this could work, but I just thought that there was some sort of mirroring between the two. I but I didn't know how it, how it came together. I think I get what you mean. Like at first, I thought like the lady was definitely not real, and she wasn't going to be a ghost, um, or like a representation of something. 
Um, so when she died, I was like, oh, okay, so she was a real person, I suppose, as much as a can be. I mean, she blew away in the wind. I mean, is that really a real person? I, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Um, but also just like, maybe it was like a comment on what 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 unchecked rage will do to women and like um mm. and like the whole passing of the of the knife was very much like passing of the gauntlet is that the phrase like passing of the gauntlet yep. yeah uh or something like that like there's there was something there and i agree with you do i know what it is absolutely not yeah it's I, i'm definitely going to look at that element the next time i rewatch it but it this viewing at least i i felt like there was some sort of connection mm. But I've got no clue. <laughs> Just like a lot of things in this movie, I've got no clue. But but it was an awesome sequence. I loved having that that woman in there. It was a weird kind of supernatural, almost intrusion on the movie. But I feel like maybe they continue that continue that into the next mm. movie. It's been a while, but I feel like some of that supernatural stuff kind of comes into that one as well. But would you say she's a spirit of vengeance? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. She does curse all of the other ones, the, all the other prisoners, so, I mean, maybe. Yeah, and I, I knew that, that then that they were all going to die. I was like, okay, I know where this is going. They're cursed, mm. and they will die by the end of this movie. I must say, when they came across that first town, I was wondering what had happened there. I'm like, interesting, there seems to be a, some sort of natural disaster, maybe a landslide or de- a, a debris slide that uh, covered this town up. And... I thought we were going to actually stay in this town for a while longer because I really liked the setting. It was, it was really nice. But then we get out after, you know, the old lady and, oh, man, that was a nice scene of her, like, you know, blowing away in the wind day. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, can you... Uh, maybe I didn't get it. So why did Scorpion, Matsu, out the women, out the convicts in the end, where they're just like, oh, they killed all of the... All of the hostages, which basically guaranteed the fact that they were going to die by firing squad. Um, was there a reason to that? Like she said something like um, to the effect of like, like I I have my due or paid my price or something like that. Um, yeah, I think she says like I'm sold, huh? Yeah. I think that's her first line, and her second lines all the prisoners or all the hostages are dead, and I think that's it. The whole movie. Yeah. Her dialogue. <laughs> okay, so what was the motivation there? Did she not? Was she just not fucking with these women anymore, or? Yeah, I think, because it's almost like the other women are not really characters. The only real character is that, oh, Oba, or however you say her name. I, I keep forgetting this. I keep think, getting her confused with the old woman from. Um, Spirited away. Yeah. Spirited away. That's exactly it. <laughs> but yeah, it's almost like once she betrays her, like they've always had this weird dynamic through the whole movie. Those two. I almost thought there was maybe some sort of mirroring between them, and I didn't quite fully grasp what it was. But once she throws her off the the bus, I think she's kind of like, yeah, you're someone who's betrayed me, so just like everyone else who's betrayed me, I need to get revenge on you. Mm. But yeah, I definitely was confused at the motivation there (laughs) at the end. Then they just blast them all. I do like that they throw those fucking horrible rapist guys on the bus. Which was just a really grotesque group, I thought. Especially the original old man who gives that story of when he, like, found a Chinese woman. Oh, that was a pretty disgusting little scene there. Mm. But I did like that those guys just got blasted away by the cops. And they were like, oh, fuck. Like, we thought all the hostages were dead. Oops. <laughs> mm. I thought that was kind of funny. But, yeah, what, what happened after that at the end there? Good question. I... I remember I remember Oba being put into the same uh, truck as Matsu. Oh, that's right, yeah. And then I remember, and then something happens, and then Matsu, and then Matsu goes ahead and carries Oba like in this in this trash pile, while Oba is like, I have to get to the island, and then Oba dies, saying like, Oh, my two children that I killed are they're here to get me again or something. And then, and then immediately my brain goes to like the killing of the warden scene. So I, there's there's some spots in my memory. So yeah, I, I remember there's this one guard with glasses who's who's in the first movie, yep. and he's like the warden's like right hand man who is such a little fucker. I hated that guy. And um, Matsu shoots him, and he falls in like a spike. And it goes right through his neck, and he like spins around on this right. little spike thing. Right. 
why did I- I love that moment. Wait. <laughs> but yeah, then that Oba person, I think she just got shot. I think that's what happened to her. Mm. And then, yeah, she dies thinking that her kids are getting the revenge on her, which I- That was kind of fitting for her because, goddamn. <laughs> but I also felt bad for her. And I, I thought it was interesting that Matsu showed a little bit of humanity. She actually cried in that moment, watching her die. Mm. Which again made me wonder if there was some kind of mirroring between them because she didn't really s seem to care that much about the other women who died. Mm. Or at least didn't get emotionally affected by it mm. very much. But yeah, and there's actually another great little piece of um, photography here. Right after. Um, oh, fuck, I keep reading that character's name. Whatever the ringleader's Oba. name was, when she dies. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, Matsu starts heading towards the city to get her revenge. And they have a brilliant use of the rack focus. Again, one of the one of my favorite uses of it. When she's walking in the city, and you see the city in the background just as like a blur of white, and then suddenly they switch the focus to the city, and then Matsu is almost like this kind of hulking, like just creature moving towards it. I thought that was a really beautiful shot. Uh, got any got anything else, Isaac? <laughs> see the theme between all the women, the six women. They all killed somebody that landed them in prison and betrayed. Yeah, and all of those don't you forget all of those crimes. They only committed crimes because of men out there. Yeah. You always you seem to forget that detail. Whereas <laughs> Matsu herself initially of course not like after she killed her lover, but uh was falsely accused and put in jail uh because of her lover. Um and then she went and killed him. And that's and then went back to jail. But initially, she was not so. I guess there's a separation between her and the rest. Wait, wait, wait. maybe I'm missing something from the first week. What was she falsely accused of in the first film? Yeah, she, she wasn't actually falsely accused. The reason she went to jail is because she tried to kill the detective guy. Oh yeah, right. Attempted murder. That's what it was. Yeah. So again, a crime, crime because of a man that did her wrong. But that is another reason why I thought maybe the witch was like. A version of her or something because it was because she didn't comment on Matsu and just let her kind of just move towards the camera <laughs> oh the old lady was just like that's me so <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that it just made me think that there was some connection between the two of them as if they were like a parallel version of each other or something I, I don't know wow. again it's, it's, the first movie too I felt like I had really kind of unfinished thoughts on what the movie was trying to say, but this movie in particular, I just really don't don't know how to connect the dots. <laughs> um, I think I think everything is very like everything is beautiful. All the shots are amazing. Like the red uh when Matsu is in like all red or the ladies are all like floating red entities and you see like the split of the bamboo stick. Um and or you hear it rather. Um the scenes where people are like getting assaulted and like it shows like a like a like a perspective shot of like looking up into their faces and then the sun the sound cuts off like almost like disassociation oh yeah yeah all like all of these scenes are beautiful and all of these scenes like if you were to show like 30 seconds of them without any context a person would go like wow that's very cool um but i feel like again this movie is unhinged because it's not even coherent Whereas with, I think, with the first film, with the first film, at least there was, like, one, like, a kind of, like, a fallible plot and, like, some visual motifs that were kind of reoccurring throughout the movie. Like, even motifs of bondage and motifs of power play and blood. And, like, I think, I think those were, were really cool. And I think that's what kind of kept me sticking to the movie. But this film was very much just, like, a light show that I was being forced to watch. And, like, I was like, oh, this is very cool. And, like, I'm following it to some extent and it's making a comment on female rage and how you know like really like truly like gaslight gatekeep girl boss like this is fucking like what feminism is right um but uh it was just it was just so incoherent which is why i have a hard time kind of saying that i like it better or worse than the first movie just because it is so different from it in that regard yeah re each time i watch this movie it brings me back to the first time i watched eraser head where 
I watched Racerhead and at first I kind of rejected it because I was like, it's a beautifully made movie, there's a lot of really amazing sequences in it, but it's incoherent, it doesn't make any sense. But the second and third time I watched it, it started to kind of take shape and I realized what they were doing with it. But this this is my third time watching this movie and I still feel like in some ways it's incoherent and it doesn't make sense. I don't know if I if I keep watching it, if it'll finally kind of click together and I'll fully grasp what he's doing with it, or if it'll just keep not fully working. But I, I still love watching it, it's just I really don't get it. <laughs> but I was going to say, because you're commenting on some of the beautiful sequences, there's that horrible second rape scene, and I love when the the prisoners, you know, come up and find them, find those guys from the bus disposing of her body. And you just see like a waterfall of blood. I thought that was a beautiful sequence. Mm -hmm. And then they, uh, the prisoners, they catch those guys on the bus and they're just like beating the fuck out of them. And just like they strip them and they're like stepping on them and beating the shit out of them. And then we get that weird scene when they go through a tunnel. And like we see like kind of a mock version of the trial for all the convicts. And the people from the bus are like, oh yeah, these women are pieces of shit. Like, when's the death penalty going to take them out? Like, these are the worst of society. Mm -hmm. And then they, like, throw a fishing net over them. And all these people start, like, beating them. And each woman, like, we see each of the prisoners. And then finally the ringleader stands up. And then Matsu cuts the net. I was like, these are some amazing sequences. I wish I could understand what he's trying to say with all this. But... <laughs> Well, that's exactly what I mean, where it's like, if someone made a photo set of this, or showed 30 seconds to, like, a film class, be like, would you watch this film? Like, in all, for, for all intents and purposes, yes, they're beautiful. Um, and, like, I'm pretty sure, like, here, I'm I haven't watched The Love Witch yet, but I've seen, like, little captures of everything of The Love Witch. Um, and there's no way that The Love Witch was not inspired by, like, uh, Matsu's like last scene where she's like in the hat killing the warden for sure there's something very like love witch-esque about it um, but like this this film is just unhinged and it, <laughs> it's just so strange to kind of even talk about it I feel where mm -hmm. yeah there was some substance but it is at the end of the day a lot of smoke and a lot of light that's the thing is I don't know if that's the case I don't know if this is an eraser head that I just haven't gotten yet mm. or if it is a movie that just doesn't really come together like it feels like there's like that first movie I really felt like he was trying to say something oh, yeah. in this movie I'm sure it's the same way it just feels like he was so stream of conscious that I can't catch what he was trying to think well yeah because like with the first film again there was like that running theme of like using an actual plot and visual motifs and things that kept reoccurring in the film i think the only thing that was very much reoccurring in this film was the lady singing that's it <laughs> and i'm just like yes okay yeah tears tears flowing into the river and it, drowning all the men yeah like yeah okay we get it yeah cool uh but like it does nothing <laughs> it does nothing for like the plot or like what it's trying to say again like it's like vague hints of like female rage patriarchal system things like that but like ultimately what is it specifically trying to say i i really don't even think <laughs> even think like the actors kind of knew what, what was up yeah i don't know there's something about that ending when matsu's laughing at kind of the victory over the kind of i guess patriarchal you could say system and then all those women running, there's something about that moment that I feel like holds the key to the whole movie. I just haven't fully put it together yet. Mm. But I, I do really love that ending. I think that makes the whole movie kind of sore. And there's something just so freeing about her. Because all those women died kind of in a, a horrible way. I mean, those fucking bastard prison guards and all the men that they encountered on the way is just like, it feels so kind of wonderful to see them feeling some joy at the end of it even if they all had to die to get there but <laughs> mm. and even matsu coming to kill the warden at the end almost feels like a ghost in a way like she's super pale and there's that scene where she's at the trees and then she just like the frame just moves her forward without her moving mm. i thought they're 
saying something like maybe she had died on the journey and this was like her ghost getting revenge or something. But like like you said, it's kind of incoherent, so I don't know. Or she's supernatural. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of what a ghost is, but... A little different. She's become almost a wraith. Uh, an angry ghost, almost. A specter that lives to be vengeful, excuse me. Yeah, and that and that's why I was saying in the first podcast that she eventually just kind of turns into a symbol of vengeance and rage. Um, and I, I feel like that extends into the third movie. It's been a long time, or I guess the same amount of time, like two years since I watched it. Uh, Be Stable, it's called. Yeah, and then the fourth movie, we'll get to that when we get to it, but it's in like its own kind of pocket. It's almost not attached to these first two. This is a different director, so it has a different vibe. Speaking of that, you mentioned... I asked you, I think, about... So the last movie, there was that, um... There was that friend of hers. No, not friend. But there was that, um... That one lady in the prison movie I referred to her as the Morgan Freeman character from Shawshank Redemption, where she's been there for a long time, and she's oh, seen yeah. a lot, and therefore she's uh, Matsu's ally. And then you said she was going to be in this movie, and that uh, it's interesting what happens to her. She was not in this movie. Uh, no... Actually, I, I recently edited that podcast, and I didn't mention that. I oh. said uh, I wouldn't spoil it, <laughs> so you might just oh, imagine that. <laughs> okay, well, she's not here then, eh? <laughs> no, she's not, and I will spoil it for the third film. She doesn't show up for that either, so. Well, that's a shame. I actually really enjoyed that character and was hoping uh, she would show up again. Dang shame. Me too. Fair enough, but right, I was wrong on that. Uh, but I will just ask for you, Isaac. Did you recognize... There's one convict who has, like, almost reddish-looking hair. Yes. And that actress actually appeared in a film that we both watched, The Horrors of Malformed Men. Ha, <laughs> That was the island of malformed men, but yeah. No, yeah, horrors. Horrors. Yeah, that's actually what I was about to say. Um, this is a stupid thing, but I was thinking about this again, uh, and that movie really opened my eyes up to uh, morality. Not just morality, but like, you know, how the Japanese portray morality, which is beautiful. And it made me think of one of the most morally... Well, two. there's two, like, moral beings, fictitious beings, um, that they have a no-kill rule, no-kill policy in their stories. Um, oh, boy. One goes about it because they they have, you know... Super, uh, superhuman feeling out, not only superhuman, but this is like the greater beyond human uh, physiology, and the other is peak human physiology. And, you know, some way he's insane. And he looks up to the law. The system, it's the system itself. And whether Batman, you know, allows criminals to, like, keep festering is a whole other thing. And if he's be making systematic oppression, I, I, that's a whole other topic. But when I watched The Island of Malformed Men, the horror of uh, Malformed Men, it made me think, what would Batman do in a situation like this? And I thought as well, what if in this movie Batman were catch, trying to catch these these women, and he found out about the um, their their backstories? Would he jail them? Would he kill them? What would happen? What would the sentence be? And I, I kind of like these stories with, with that character. And I, th I think these guys do a good job of telling good, like, almost morality tales. Especially if you had, like, a character like that who's just trying to be ideal and, and try to uphold the law. I mean, it's a different type of law, of course. But, man, that'd be fascinating to see a, a comic series like that or a run of Batman or, or any character like that. Yeah, the... uh found the ending scene, though, with her killing is... is quite overly dramatic I mean with the uh, with a man or with the warden himself oh that's what it was that's what it was what um, what the eye the eye that's what it was his <laughs> glass eye and I was like okay how what would I read in that scene it's like his, so his glass eye comes out of his um, his damaged eye and I'm like then we zoom right into it which is creepy and we see the women <laughs> there and I'm like are we seeing into his soul in a way, even though it's false eye, and it's his nightmare of like all these women are running free in the city. Which, by the way, holy smokes! Like the very like at the end. That's what I was going to mention. Is that wow? Nobody's around, eh? Like before in the previous movie, there was people all around them, and now uh, there's like 
vacant streets and I'm like if this is Tokyo or a major metropolitan city somewhere in Japan it's jeez where is everybody is there a quarantine of some sort well it's 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 not really the the real street it's like a metaphor for freedom I know. more like and I love that they're passing the blade around too I thought that was wonderful yes that's right I was, I was wondering that too that again there's something there with the with the warden and yeah, looking into his soul, that's interesting. I, I thought the eye coming out was, like, the ultimate kind of humiliation for him. Because she spent that, like, stabbing him and, like, dragging it out, like, just letting him walk away, bleeding, like, oh, fuck, Matsu, the person that I hated the most is the one killing me. And finally, the eye that he'd been covering up the whole time just pops her out and exposes that wound. But he, that wasn't really her fault. He blames her for it, but it was that other prisoner who went all, like, demon face. <laughs> No face. It wasn't really her, but he still blames her for it. <laughs> no face, another spirited away reference. Nice. But yeah, no, I, this is definitely one I'm going to keep going back to. Um, even though I, I kind of struggle with it in some ways, I still just enjoy letting it wash over me, even if I don't fully grasp it. Like, again, if I think... If I if I was just watching this movie, movie just as, like, your eye fodder i think or if i was like if i was high to some extent i was just like wow pretty colors pretty shots then like i think that shot this movie would be so cool um but the fact that like my brain was like trying to grasp at any sense of like coherency i was like uh okay sure Uh, that's basically all i wanted to say to that effect yeah and just to follow up on that yeah i was pretty stoned when i watched each one of these movies Ah, okay. And I remember at the end of this movie, it actually had me in tears. Like, I was in awe at the end of it. So, I I think (laughs) watching it stone is definitely a good way to go. But even at the time, I was like, I don't get what that movie was trying to say, but it hit me really well emotionally. So, so stone viewing, you know, highly recommend. (laughs) That's fair. But, um, are you guys ready for final thoughts, or... Do you feel like you have more to, to say? Because I, I don't really know where else to, to go for this one. <laughs> Nowhere really. Um, or like nothing nothing else that I haven't already aired out. Isaac? I feel like we have given this uh, movie its fair dues. I don't know. Is it the most in-depth review of this? Certainly not. No. But <laughs> we certainly have given uh, we have given our, our, our money's worth of it, I'd say. Um Sure. Yeah, I'd say I'd say with me, like just because I'm still talking. Um, I really enjoyed it. I loved the non-linearity linearity of it, <laughs> and I, I I liked the fact that there was symbolism that I didn't know about, but I felt like I don't want to say like, oh, I'm smart because I know that there's something going on more than I can comprehend. <laughs> but I, I just like that because that means now, and yeah, you know what? This is my first viewing, so if I when I go back to this again. Maybe I won't like it, but maybe the third time around I'll be like, oh, what was I thinking about the second time? I was you know, smoking meth or crack. Like, I don't get that. This was this is an awesome movie. And... It... Okay. Caleb, was this better than Us? Oh, of course. I enjoyed it more than Us. Yeah, yeah I, I don't like Us, so... Middle of the road for that, but yeah. Um, Michaela, final thoughts? Final thoughts on this film... I would watch it again high. I think I would kind of enjoy it more like that. Um, and if someone asked me if if they wanted to watch it, should they? Um, I would say if you really, 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 really like all the visual stuff happening in the first film, sure. But if you're looking for like a continuation or like what happens to Matsu Scorpion next, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> Yeah, again, I think this film is, like, cinematically, like, visually, and, like, oh, man, what's the word for, oh, man, why am I brain farting about this? Uh, What's the word for uh, audio, but but visually? Auditorily? (laughs) Uh, Perhaps. I'm not sure either. (laughs) Uh, Auditory? Auditory... I guess visual auditory. I think I think just for the fine. I can say this. I think for the eyes and ears, it is so delicious and is such a, a good spectacle to see and get mm. like good ideas for. Um, but 
Would I recommend someone who's very interested in screenwriting for this? Probably not. Um, but I will definitely watch this again with a friend who wants to watch this. Yeah, and for me, I do actually prefer this film over the original. Okay. Um, even though I feel like the original is a more straightforward piece and a more satisfying piece, I think um, Shuni Ito brought his absolute A-game when it came to the visual aspect of this movie. It's just gorgeous in so many ways. There's a part of me that wonders if he's more of in the um, Alejandro Jodorowsky vibe, which is a director who makes movies that kind of purposely defies analysis. Like, he, he doesn't care about his movies making sense. All he cares about is what his movies make you feel. And this movie definitely takes me on an emotional journey, and um, I feel like that part's really satisfying, even if the story element doesn't really come together at all by the end. feels really strange, but... You know, this is definitely one I'll keep going back to, and my favorite of the, the group. But anyway, yeah, enjoyed podcasting with you guys again. Uh, any last words? Yes, I'm signing off. Uh, I did not have anything to drink for this one uh, in in the metaphorical or, yeah, metaphorical theatrical bar <laughs> that we're in, um, because I kicked my own ass breaking out, so I'm going to be drinking water for the rest of the night and maybe taking some melatonin so I get those gains for real. There you go. Yeah. So no other last words than that, I guess. Isaac. <clears throat> As I clear my throat. If oh, you... And your third associate, uh, who you don't often talk to, but you still have their phone number, and you're, you decide, oh, hey, I want to, you know, get to know them more and build a relationship with them. You guys, you both decide to go out for a while. And then all of a sudden, you see seven women uh, who are wearing clothes, seven clothed women, pardon me, uh, walk by you. And you get a, you feel a chill in the air. You're feeling this, like, oh, this is this is just, I, I, there's super, something supernatural going on. You look behind you and they're they're gone, not even like further down the road. They're just gone, and then you keep walking, and all of a sudden they go by you again, but this time like from behind, in front of you, and then disappear. And this keeps happening over and over and over until like you finally get to their house and they're all there, and they just start staring at you and staring at you and staring at you and staring at you. But then you walk to go get a glass of milk, and they're still staring at you. And they go to bed, and they're all staring at you. Peace! By the way, Michaela, yes, I'll be able to uh, do tonight's. It's I, like I just said, I got back from the gym, so I uh, am in high spirits right now. Okay, cool. Yeah, the real question is if I'm going to be able to do tonight because rewatching this movie earlier, I was like, holy fuck, what am I going to say about this movie? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was actually okay. So when I told a friend that I was recording uh, with you two about um, the about this series in particular, they were just like, so what do you even fucking say? Because the series is just like a stream of consciousness. And literally, if you don't like look at the screen for the entire time, you're going to fucking lose it, you know? Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to hear what y'all have to say. I, unfortunately, made the mistake of being like, oh, I don't need to write notes and didn't. And so only the scenes that really called out to me will be in my head. Yeah, I started writing notes, but... Um... 
There's that scene when those creepy fuckers from the bus find that one oh, really yeah. sweet convict. Yeah. And that's when the movie kind of went spiraling off into crazy land, and from then on I didn't write any notes, so. <laughs> that's fair. How about you, Isaac? Did, did you write any notes? Take a guess. <laughs> so, no. Um, I mean, I just watched it. Uh, first of all, I had to find it, because, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not blessed with, um, I assume it's on Shudder, right? I think it was on Tubi now, but when I, when I initially saw these movies, it was on Shudder, yep. Uh, I checked Tubi, and it's not there anymore, and actually, not even that, it was the remake, uh, that was on there, and they removed it, so I had to find it elsewhere. Was it Sasori in the USA? Was it, was it that one? <laughs> uh, it was from 2014, so maybe. Oh. I, have no I don't idea. know which one that is. Oh god, there's so many of them. Don't worry, I didn't watch it. I watched the actual like proper <laughs> one. Oh, but yeah, I think we're basically talking about it now. So I mean, uh, I don't know where to start.